everybody, welcome to Save Your Sorry, the podcast where we discuss the rise and fall of your favorite or rather least favorite celebrities. I'm your host, Katrina Rochelle, here with my best friend and fellow co-host, Jose Angel. How are you today? Good. How are you? I am here and accounted for. Love to hear it. So today is episode of which Jose will be discussing something or someone. And who do you have in store for us? Today, we're talking about the singer, Ryan Adams. Are you at all familiar with Ryan Adams? Ryan with the R, Ryan Adams? Yes. No, I didn't, at least not to my knowledge as of yet. Okay. I wasn't either. I honestly don't even know how he appeared on my grand list of celebrity names. But his name was there, so I guess his time on our pod has come. Ah. <sighs> I even tried to ask people that I know listen more to his type of music, and they are mostly younger, but they said the same thing. They don't hear, know of him. Say who? <laughs> yeah. And I'm not going to lie, the music I did hear of his was not bad. I don't know if it's really your type of music, but that's okay. We don't have to like everything. What does that mean? It's just... My type music. If it ain't down home country, that shit can disappear. Where it's labeled alternative country. Oh, damn. I'm talking Alt shit. Alt country, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alt country. Interesting. Okay. I got most of my information from the New York Times. They did an expose on Brian Adams. Some people might call it a hit piece, but that's what we are here to discuss. Hit piece. Is Ryan a horrible human being that deserved what was coming to him? Or maybe it was just all a big misunderstanding from a passionate guy. And I just want to say, I was listening back to random episodes we did. And the part I was listening to, it kind of sounded like I was defending the person we were covering. And that's just simply so we can explore all options and cover all areas. I just put that in here to say, if I do push back a little, it's just playing devil's advocate. I know. Not everyone who listens listens to every episode, or maybe this is their first episode. So if I push back, it's just for the sake of conversation and covering our bases. Okay, Mr. Cover Your Bases. <laughs> <laughs> but I get you, I understand. Yeah, I try to make it clear, but sometimes I think it does come off of me defending them. Mm-hmm. Apologist. <laughs> So, Ryan Adams was born as David Ryan Adams on November 5th, 1974, making him a Scorpio. Mm. We haven't had a Scorpio in a while, but as we all know, they're horrible human beings, so this is already not boding well for Ryan. Damn. (laughs) Ryan was the middle child, having one older brother and a younger sister. At five years old, Ryan's parents end up divorcing and the father would end up leaving the family. The mother with the three kids would end up homeless because of the divorce, so they had to move in with the grandparents. Ryan, from where I can see, was close to his grandparents, crediting them to its success and saying that his grandmother was like a mother to him. I don't know if he means that he had a strained relationship with his actual mom, but that's just the information we have. Mm-hmm. At age eight, Ryan started writing limericks and short stories on his grandmother's typewriter, some of his influences being Edgar Allan Poe, Hubert Selby Jr., and Jack Kerouac. And I got to say, love those authors, and I just love the clickety-clackety of a typewriter. At age 13, his mother would remarry, and at age 14, she, as well as her new husband, would buy Ryan an electric guitar 
leading him down the road to the career he would one day have. And Ryan would join a band called Blank Label, but it was short-lived and they would end up disbanding. Were you ever in your life like, I should be a singer, I should start a band? No. At, at one point, there was only one point where I was going to try to do something with my voice and I was in elementary school and it's just stage fright just got the best of me. So I, I just didn't do it, but mm. I was going to join choir because I thought I had a half decent voice. I mean, I probably do still if I did something with it, but I don't think so anymore. A ship is safe in the harbor, but that's mm-hmm. not what ships are for. <laughs> don't you dare try to bring back that goddamn fortune. That fortune cookie is the best thing that ever described you. I fucking hate. <laughs> yeah, I I know it's a common thing. People are like, let's start a band, let's do a, you know, let's become singers, rappers, whatever. And I, it was never something for me. Mm-hmm. But maybe we should take it up. You know, what do we have to lose besides our dignity? And that has long left. <laughs> <laughs> So maybe you're right. Anyways, back to Ryan, who does have musical talent. He would end up dropping out of Jacksonville High School when he was 16, and this was to pursue his music. I saw that he played with other smaller bands, but the main one he was playing with was called the Patty Duke Syndrome. That's a name. Yeah. And not only is he in this band, but he writes song for it as well. And on the side, or probably the main thing he's doing, he's also working as a plumber to support himself. Okay. He would later describe it as a an arty noise punk band. And they would get a local following in Jacksonville and would then move to Rayleigh. Sorry if I said that wrong. Which is a lar- larger city when Ryan was 19 and he got his GD. So from what I can gather, the Patty Duke Syndrome was a punk band. But Adam wanted to do some pop, some country music. So he decided to leave Patty Duke Syndrome in 1994 when he was around 19 or 20, depending on the month. From here, Ryan Adams would form the band Whiskey Town. And this band was short-lived and having constant changes of members. They did release three studio albums in that time. But by the time the third album was released, the band had already been disbanded. (laughs) The label had merged with another label. And the album at first was just shelved for two years. And then it was finally released. That's stupid. It is stupid. A lot of his albums do end up getting shelved or not released as he wanted to. I guess just shitty labels. Yeah, they didn't believe in them. It's crazy you go out and and hunt for somebody or you accept somebody and sign them and say you're going to do something and then you literally just do nothing. Yeah, really. You spend all the money and you just like, nah, we cool. And at that point, like, what's the harm of releasing the album? Like, it's not making you any money keeping it. That's what I'm saying. At least generate something for both you and the artist. It's like, oh, I'm going to sign you and then I'm going to starve you too. Yeah. So Ryan Adams would end up going solo for a bit and making an album called Heartbreakers and then an album Gold in 2001. And at this time, he's being, the critics are saying he might be like the next big thing. Look out for him. Let's see what he has up and coming. Mm-hmm. Um, did you ever watch the House of Dragon? House, House of, of the Dragon? Dragon? No. no. The Game of Thrones spinoff? No. There's a character in there, and she's called the queen that never was. And I just feel like, you know, that's kind of the vibe Ryan got. Like, he was supposed to be the next big thing, but I don't know if it ever happened for him. But he never was. Yeah, never was. His first single from the album Gold was called New York, New York. 
and he shoots a music video for it, and he describes it saying he was obsessed with the TV show Friends, so the music video was just shots of New York, like the Friends opening theme song. Mm-hmm. Well, this music video would come out on September 11, 2001. So a song about New York that has the Twin Towers in the music video, they were playing the shit out, out of this song. <laughs> And Ryan feared that people would see it like an intentional money grab, that he was profiting off the tragedy. So he claims he requested to get the music video taken down because he, he didn't want people to get the wrong opinion about it. And the music video was not taken down, but they did put a disclaimer on there saying the video was filmed September 7, 2001. So, I mean, that's part- what I would have done. Yeah, I mean... It just, he had a quote in there, like, it just takes one person saying it was wrong, and then that can snowball and turn into, like, this big thing that he was trying to profit off of it, which he wasn't. Yeah, it's just fucking bad timing. Yeah, but for him, it actually did end up working out. So they are playing this video. He's getting radio play. It was his biggest single, peaking on number 18 spot in Adult Top 40 and 112 in the Billboard 100. See, sometimes the things that you think is going to kind of maybe mess you up or fuck you up end up being something that, like, just flips around and is just success. Ain't that some shit? Because yeah. a lot of different people, I mean, just depending on how they handled it or what type of music it was or whatever, if that was their video, could have got flamed. Yeah, I think at that time, you remember, we were very young when 9-11 happened. But yeah, but it was all about memorial and preserving America. the legacy and America. Yep. So, yeah, New York, New York, it's definitely, they're going to be playing that. Mm-hmm. Ryan would go on to write and record 60 songs after this one for the next album. And that was enough for four albums. But he narrows it down to 13 songs and gives it to the label. And the label's like, yeah, this is not for us. It's too sad. The album was called The Suicide Handbook. And I think they were looking more for New York, New York type of vibe. This anthem that was used after 9-11. So... They come through his 60 songs without his input and decide what songs would go on the album called Damn. Demolition. Damn. <laughs> Literally, Demolition, yo shit. <laughs> That's crazy. Like, like artists cannot be themselves. <laughs> no, and I, it's kind of shitty how these labels do that. Like, I know some have better deals going on, but... That's kind of crazy. Yeah, if you're not independent, and if you're not making enough money being independent, you are essentially just you're giving away all your um, all your decision making, all your freedoms to your um, your label. They're going to control what you put out. They're going to control how you put it out, when you put it out, how much money you get when you put it out, and all that other shit. It's just up to it's their mercy. Yeah, and the biggest benefit of being on a label is promotion. Yeah, the promotion because it's very hard to get that when you're an indie artist. You don't have those connections. Yeah, promotion, backing, the networking, all that other stuff. And half of the people who are signed don't get to take advantage of it. Only that, that like those huge superstars that we ever we all hear about get all that type of freedom, and even sometimes they don't. Yeah. So while the album received high praise from the critics, it did not get the sales the record label wanted. Yeah, because he didn't get to put out the motherfucking handbag of suicide. <laughs> put out your demolition derbies. 
Okay, Ryan was keeping busy, so I'm not going to go over everything else or else this podcast would be seven hours long. Okay. But he would work with a band called The Cardinals and do more solo work, and he would release 22 more albums. 22? 22. Sometimes two in a year. Um, Okay. Ryan would get seven Grammy nominations. I don't believe he won any. He would also release some poetry books. Something I found interesting is that he covered Taylor Swift's album 1989 in its entirety, and I didn't hate it. But you didn't like it. (laughs) Well, he definitely changed up the songs to make it his own. So it's just like, it was like, you know, I would have to sit with it more. Uh, but enough of his bio. Now it's time. This is what you came for. His downfall. Baby, <laughs> this is what we came for. <laughs> I don't know why, but you kind of said that like a country song. I was trying. <laughs> okay, you had some twanged in it. You know, I did have a voice at one point in time. No, before I had the kids, I was going to pursue a career, but my husband told me, get my ass back in that kitchen, make him a sandwich. And I'm sorry, when Tucker says he wants a sandwich, you got to bring out the bread. <laughs> okay, we'll explore that character later. Yeah, what was that? In 2007, Ryan would talk about his drug use, saying he was snorting speedballs, which is heroin and cocaine. Oh. And drinking heavily for years. He tells the Rolling Stones he did this so he could feel kind of normal and right and be able to work throughout the night. Yet in a 2011 Guardian article, he says his drugs were only a problem between like 2005 and 2006, and he just did it so he could keep drinking and to feel level-headed, and the opium was to help his creativity. A little different. Are people not good without drugs? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I. it's something he struggled with for a while, so that's in the background, too. Yeah. So, in 2009, Ryan would marry Cinder, and I know her mostly as an actress, Mandy Moore. Besides the Grey's Anatomy shooting episode, I'm not too familiar with her work, but she's kind of a household <laughs> name. You good? I'm sorry, that was so specific. <laughs> There's so many things Mandy Moore has done that you said besides the Grace Anatomy shooting episode. I looked through her filmography, like that's the one thing I personally know her from. But I mean, not even Tangled, A Walk to Remember. No. Oh my goodness. I know she was on This Is Us, which is a huge show. That too. But I'm taking it you're familiar with her. I'm familiar with her, at least in those last two roles in This Is Us, even though I never watched This Is Us because everybody would cry, cry, cry. I'm not in the mood for that right now. But yeah, I <laughs> and I was familiar with her in the shooting episode. <laughs> well, that's how I know her. Okay. <laughs> they would end up divorcing in 2016. And from what I can see, it wasn't a dragged out, nasty public divorce. But Mandy did have this to say in 2018 in a Glamour Magazine interview. Oh. So she's talking about how her mom left her dad for a woman. How her mom left her dad for a woman. Let's be honest. Hey. (laughs) And then she talks about dealing with that as an adult. And then she says, I couldn't control what happened to my immediate family, but I could control starting my own. And then the article says that she pauses and says... Not the smartest decision, 
I didn't choose the right person. She would go on further to explain she felt spiritually and fundamentally stuck and that her career and friendship suffered for it. Um, she says, I don't feel guilty for it. I don't fault myself for it. Talking about her divorce. Mm-hmm. When people said, I'm sorry, I was like, no, sorry would have been had I stayed in a very unhealthy situation. I didn't. I found my way out. And when I did, things opened back up again. So let's pause here with these statements. How do you feel about this relationship she was describing? Well, it sounds like she was be. I mean, from her words, it sounds like she was in a marriage relationship in which she was being stifled in the marriage and in her career and she wasn't happy kind of implying that maybe the other party was happy with their relationship but uh since she couldn't deal with it she left yeah they're not the most caring person it it's not an outright attack on ryan but it does Mm -hmm. paint a bad picture she's losing friends career happiness and she gets rid of him and it opens all back up again exactly i gotta look this up because I wasn't a big Mandy Moore fan, but this sounds like my era of being nosy. And I have to see this. I have to see who this Ryan Adams person looks like. <laughs> when you see him. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say nothing. Hold the fuck up. <laughs> Let me stop talking about people. This is Ryan. Yeah. No, that's Ryan Adams. Mandy could have married me. Mandy. <laughs> No offense, he looks like somebody who would write an album called The Suicide Handbags. Or Handbag. Handbook. Handbook? I keep yeah. calling it a handbag. That's I know. hilarious. I, I just I keep even, lying to you because I think that's a better name. And I don't even like handbags. <laughs> okay, that is interesting. I didn't I, I, I still don't know who this man is, but seeing him is is interesting. So that is pretty much the only time that I found that she talked about her marriage after it was ended. Because Mandy Moore only looks forward. Well, that is until... Oh, shit. February 13, 2019, the New York Times published an article titled Ryan Adams Dangled Success, Women Say They Paid a Price. The article says seven women came forward, including ex-wife Mandy Moore. Oh, shit. Also, more than a dozen other people came forward describing a pattern of manipulative behavior where Ryan would help a young female artist in her career while at the same time pursuing a relationship or sex from them. Oh, no. Ryan, it's over. So let's start with Mandy Moore. She had this to say in the article. She says they met in 2007 when Mandy Moore was 23 and he was 33. Oh, so he's significantly older, too. Yes, a decade nasty ass i mean that's not really nasty but i'm talking about you being older you trying to help people quote unquote and you you doing all this drugs cheating and creepery <laughs> no you're not cheating in there i said nothing about cheating oh yeah you're right he ain't cheating um he just nasty but something tell me mandy moore is gonna say this man was being nasty with other women while he was with her and i think that qualifies as cheating in the article it does say there was an overlap on women See, look at you trying to, <laughs> to gaslight me. Because <laughs> I just hadn't said it yet. <laughs> so in 2010, he offered to work with her on her next album. And she says Ryan discouraged her from working with other producers and managers. So Ryan was 
was basically in charge. Mm-hmm. Even though this man ain't seen no success since 2001. But. And yeah, I'm guess, roasting his ass. Fuck him right now. In that genre, I guess he is kind of a big thing. Because all these people are the saying the same thing about it. But it's like not mm-hmm. mainstream. The mainstream he success he had was in like 2001. He wasn't a complete bum. He had some success, but he didn't. He he he. he I think he chose the right type of aspiring musicians. Is all I'm gonna say. And unfortunately, that includes Mandy Moore because her popularity in music had came and went during this time. I'm just being honest. I think no. This is 2010. I think this is when it was kind of she was trying to go full steam ahead on it. That's how she phrases it. I don't know. Sounds like get right back into it. It sounds like you have been out of it, which sounds like the peak had passed. (laughs) So she says Ryan discouraged her from working with other producers, managers, blah, blah, blah. But she says from here, they would write songs together. But when the time came to record in the studio, he would be like, yeah, yeah, it'll happen, it'll happen. But it never happened. Or he would replace her with another artist. Hmm. Mandy claims that he would tell her that she wasn't a, a real musician because she doesn't play an instrument. She says he was very controlling and that caused her to not be able to make the connection she needed in her music career, essentially losing the steam she was working towards. Ryan, through his lawyer, said that how Mandy is describing it is inconsistent, Ryan's view of the relationship, and that he was always supportive and was happy to help her with her career. Uh, you didn't deny nothing, though. <laughs> you just said it was inconsistent. But that sounds like she, there, there might have been some consistencies. She wasn't lying. You can't prove she was lying. I don't know. That's how kind of, I mean, defend yourself. But also, <clears throat> I don't know. He did. I mean, we didn't get to anything really bad anyway. So I'm going to shut up. So let me. Okay. Uh, moving on to, to Megan Butterworth who is Ryan's ex-fiance, described him as controlling and emotionally abusive, saying he would isolate her socially and professionally, that he wanted to control who she was friends with and who she worked with. She does say he was never physically abusive, but did smash things and intimidate her physically. Mm -hmm. When they broke up in 2018, he sent her hundreds of emails, texts, and phone calls, begging her to come back and being angry at her and threatening suicide. Hmm. And he even posted a photo of Maiden after they broke up with, did it while it's hot, folks. Maiden is single. I don't think it was a lewd picture. It didn't say that. But that's some weird-ass emotional, like, manipulation, fucked-up shit to do. Yeah, and he tagged her friends and family of Maiden, so it's just like a childish thing to do as well. Yeah. Fucking weirdo. Because uh, uh, she ain't talking to him no more. So let me exploit her. Yeah, it's very weird, and like you said, emotionally manipulative, especially threatening suicide. I hate when people do that shit. I can't s- <laughs> I can't say how I feel, but you can imagine if somebody were to say that to me, what I would respond to. <laughs> Just imagine. I'd be like, blank, blank. It's the same. Yeah. My same response. Um, 
Courtney J., a country singer, said that in 2013, Ryan messaged her on Twitter and offered to help her with her album and to produce it. She said when they met in person, Ryan started to comment on her appearance and she wasn't comfortable with that. She claims he came on very strong and called him Hurricane Ryan. Courtney would say she just shut herself off, but they did end up in bed together, but did not have sex. Courtney okay. would tell Ryan she felt taken advantage of, and that's not what she's looking for. Ryan said he still wanted to work for her, work with her, but they never recorded a song or anything. They did keep communicating, but nothing came of it. Courtney claims the experience made her not want to make music. Ryan's lawyer claims that while they did have a writing session, they never ended up in bed and also denied the call happened. Okay. <laughs> it just, it, I mean, it, he, he just shutting down everything because it's showing his pattern of behavior and every, and everybody's saying pretty much the same thing with minor um, adjustments. Everybody's saying that you get these vulnerable women in the position that you want to work with them and you flirt with them and you, you hound them and, and crowd them with your, uh, with your, with your expertise, but as, as well as your own agenda, sometimes, most of the time it ends up being romantic and then you end up doing nothing once you've gotten what you wanted. Yeah, and seven Grammys is nothing, or Grammy nominations, is nothing to turn your nose up at. Like, so he definitely has some talent. Maybe. This man man put out 22 albums and only got seven nominations. <laughs> I call people who are terrible have lots of Grammy nominations. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, he is in kind of a alt-country field that maybe there's not that many i mean he could there. be talented i mean talented people are still pieces of shit yeah untalented people are still pe- i mean it's so i mean he could have he still could be um a good musician and just is a uh terrible person as far as using that to um lure women in the musician phoebe bridgers she's pretty famous i don't know if she's your type of music but do you know of her I have heard of that person. Let's look her up real quick. Fubu Bridges. Oh shit. Phoebe. You know Phoebe when I back back when I used to watch Friends? Always my favorite. Mine too. She looks familiar. Um, I don't know who she is, but she does look familiar. Okay. You you might have heard a few of her songs. I feel like especially if you're on TikTok. I feel like her songs are always on TikTok as well. Okay, maybe I'll revisit it after we get done recording. Well, in 2014, she was 20 and still working her way up, and she met Ryan Adams, and he was blown away by her, comparing her to Bob Dylan. She says he gave her a vintage guitar and told her to return the next day to record with him. From here, he starts to send her flirty messages, and they do get into a relationship. Mm-hmm. She says after a week, Ryan was talking about marriage and wanted her to open for him when he was on tour in Europe. I gotta lock you down. I gotta suck all the talent out of you. I feel like he does that. If, if he thinks the girl can make it, I'm gonna suck all the talent out of you and use you to my advantage. If I can only get you into my bed, that's what I'm gonna just try to do. I mean, that could be it. Oh, you're you, you're reminding me of Bob Dylan. I wanna work with you. Starts working together. Immediately starts sending flirty texts. Are you into it? Are you into it? Oh, you are? All right, come on with me on tour and do this and that. 
as the relationship progressed, he would send her constant texts and she had to prove where she was at or she would have to leave where she was at to have phone sex with Ryan. If she didn't reply fast enough, Ryan would threaten to kill himself. When she broke up with him, he didn't want to release her music and took back his offer to open for him. As he would. You're of no use anymore. And and who knows if you were ever going for real because he likes to dangle things, obviously. His assistance and his help until he he's man, talk about therapy and just being a piece of shit person and having to maybe work through your stuff. He's the record label now. He, 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 <laughs> he, was tired of, is, yeah. he was tired of getting shit on by label execs and uh, them not fucking with his music and putting out his projects and doing this and that for him. So he said, you know what? I'm going to actually now um, exploit other uh, specific women and use them to my advantage and then act like I'm going to support them and put out their music and record with them. And then when it comes time to do that, I'm going to shit on them and say no. Yeah, and Phoebe Bridgers, I see some people still credit her success to him, which I don't know if that's fair, because it wasn't him who released her music. If he didn't write her shit, and he didn't ultimately put her on, he couldn't get a goddamn credit out of me. They did continue a professional relationship where Ryan is mostly offering her a few dates on the tour. And she was kind of worried about it, but after talking with her manager, it was an opportunity she couldn't pass up because this was before her debut album. So it would garner some buzz. Yeah, maybe me and my manager need to look and see what's really good for me in my career. Maybe my manager is being a manager 100% first and not a actual... Decent human being. Decent. I didn't want to say it. I didn't. I was going to try to curb it. But yes, basically, that's second. Because the truth is, is that if this man has put you in positions, um, inappropriate positions, has uh, basically given and taken opportunities away from you and, and not treated you well, why would you continue on a business relationship with him? He has proven himself not to be loyal, not to be trustworthy, not to be honest. That manager obviously just wanted their percent of the dates and did yeah. the bigger picture. And from how she's describing it, you know, having to tell him, like, prove for her location or leave when he told her to, that's very controlling. That's just a kind of another way he can control her. Yeah. If I'm the manager, I understand the op the business opportunity, but I'm also thinking, hmm, this could affect you in a bigger way. Obviously, he hasn't treated you right thus far. What incentive has he given that he's going to treat you right now? And as a manager, if I want your continued success and I'm all about Phoebe, why would I put you back in this dangerous situation? I'm trying to separate you, if anything. So... On the first day that she was on this tour with him, he asked her to bring something to him in his, in his hotel room, and he was waiting there completely naked. And it doesn't say what happened after that. I'm, I'm assuming she just left, but I don't know. I'd have picked up a stapler and threw it at his ass. Again, Ryan, through his lawyer, denies that he held back her songs, denied the naked man incident, and denied the flirty text, and said they just had a consensual, short-lived wait. If you deny the song, show where you released them. <laughs> I think 
Show or have ownership. It's confusing because I think he's has a label under a label. Yeah, so one of those I, things. Yeah, I think the big label ended up releasing them. It's just so weird. She, I mean, the thing is, is that she's not even being like, she's not even saying no off the wall shit that leads to anything like, uh, well, no, 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 let me rephrase that. I don't even know. Fuck Ryan Adams. <laughs> I just, I he's got me all confused and confuddled and fuck that man. Two other artists would also give similar stories as Phoebe, but chose to remain anonymous. Before we move on to the last person in the article, how do you feel about what these women are saying? So it does sound like it was consensual, but it does have an element of quid pro quo that he would only release their music and work with them if they did what he said. I think the... No, no, sorry, finish. I think the main thing would be an argument for this is he tried to help their career it didn't take off, and now these women are just bitter and jealous and are making a hubbub of nothing. Wait, repeat that last part? <laughs> I think the main argument for the other side... Oh, why it's a hit piece. Yeah, why it's a hit piece. Okay. Because I was watching a YouTube people cover this. I don't remember their name, but they were more on the other side of it, of saying that these women are just mad that their career didn't take off. And now that these women, now these women are just bitter and jealous and are making a hubbub of nothing. I think two things can be true. Um, Brian Adams ain't fucking Usher Chris Brown. And um, I don't see them getting money or fame off of this story. I do think that they, these women are upset that they uh, got into this relationship both personal and business with Ryan and it didn't benefit them in any way. They didn't receive anything out of it except the emotional abuse, the intimidation, the disloyalty, the dishonesty from him. So I think that these women are telling their stories of him being an emotionally abusive gaslighter piece of shit as well as him also not even coming through on the business side of it as well. He lured me in as a business business relationship. And at the same time, um, wanted to pursue a personal relationship. And as we tried to do both, he started to get more controlling on the personal side and then more restricting on the business side, resulting in me just being in a relationship with a man who was not supporting me musically. I I just think both things are true. I think Ryan Adams was not great to these women and didn't come through on his promises and was dealing with a lot of shit in his own personal life, sure, but that doesn't give him the excuse to be a terrible label owner label whatever the hell he was musician as well as a terrible boyfriend slash partner yeah and it's different if he would have honestly tried to help them and release their music but he's not even doing that he's saying he's going to work with them and keep dangling and dangling it in front of them and not doing it like mandy moore and him they never released music um And they were fucking married. Yeah. The other lady, I forget her name. Hold on. Courtney J. You know, they never released music. Mm -hmm. So it's like, he's not even doing that. So it's 
how's they like he's not helping their career if anything he's hurting it intentionally he's hurting it he's not really putting any money behind it he you're paying for studio time that's about it but you're not putting in the big bucks as far as promotion support and backing and all that other stuff so you can spend some studio time on like five different women if you're getting everything you want from them and then ultimately you don't have to put any more money behind them you can just drop them and then still keep their catalog and it gets very murky if he is exploiting them so they feel like they have to go on a date with him or they have to entertain this it's (laughs) Oh, yeah, he's definitely benefiting from the power dynamics. He's always choosing women that he's going to be over. It feels very kind of like old Hollywood, how we always talked about that, like where the women were definitely taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. So the last girl we will be talking about is a woman who goes by the name of Ava. Now an adult, but when she met Ryan in 2013, she was 14 years old and a bass player. So they start talking through text, and it's about music, but it soon turns into flirting. Then when they Skyped, when she was around 15 or 16, Ava claims he exposed himself to her. Over a nine-month period, they had 3,217 texts that the New York Times went over, He would ask her repeatedly how old was she, and it does say that she lied about her age. But he would still question it and not seem to believe it, saying, I would get in trouble if someone knew we were talking like this. And if people knew, they would say I was like R. Kelly, LOL. And then he would question her again, saying she had to convince him of her age, but then telling her to touch her nipples and saying, tell me that your mom is not going to kill me if she finds out we even text. She says this experience led her to not want to follow the music industry because she felt like she had to sleep with someone to get ahead. So is she both lying and telling the truth eventually of her age, or is she still under the guise of lying and he's still trying to like say, oh, I'm just making sure I don't want to be R. Kelly. Like, is she continuously lying? Yeah, I think she's he's asking, are you 18? And she's saying, yeah. Okay. Again, through his lawyer, he says Ryan does not remember having a conversation online with anyone related to anything outside of music. And if the woman was underage, he was unaware. And that Ava looked around 20 and she was performing in clubs, so he thought she was older. I thought, he, I thought he had no conversation with her. Outside of music fuck out of here. You didn't have no outside car. How did you know about the music? <laughs> <laughs> so, do you believe that he didn't know her age? Oh, this is sticky. I This is weird. I mean, a homegirl, first of all, Ryan is a piece of shit. I have made my opinion on that very clear, and I'm going to stick with that. But, women make it sticky when they when they start lying about stuff initially out the gate they give these motherfuckers the chance to lie and dip and dap because what it sounds like is that yeah homegirl ava was lying which is stupid but ryan knew homegirl was lying or was convinced she was lying if you if somebody's saying that they're 18 first of all if you're asking if somebody's 18 you know that they're underage what 
18 is not the only over uh, over age age is what i'm saying you, you yeah know, he even asked her to send her id and she did not and that's what i'm talking about once it wasn't confirmed once you knew that she didn't do that you knew that you were dealing with somebody who was underage or who was lying about uh how old they were and you continually talking to them um just shows the type of person that you are i mean he's saying he's going to be looked at as r kelly he acknowledges that the make sure uh is your mom, mom going to kill me for yeah. talking to you? You know, I could get in trouble. All this other stuff. You're acknowledging that the fact that she is probably not who she says she is, but you are still talking to her. Also, when you meet somebody over text or over the computer and then y'all go straight to Skype without confirming who this is or how old they are. Um, I, I, I don't know. I don't always think you get to deny to have deniability because you there are channels you can go through you can get this confirmed you can find out <clears throat> i mean she had the proof the new york times saw the text cataloged how many there were and the fact that he was asking about it they were talking about it i don't know and also why are you getting on skype with a 14 year old to do anything but expose yourself i've never never in whole life that if they were not family an older person, a younger person are on Skype for um, for good reasons. Never. <laughs> I, I, so, it's all bad. It's all do bad. you think he gets a get out of jail free card since she did lie about her age? I think it's possible that in the court of both law and public opinion, he could get a pass. But I, I think overall he is showing you, the evidence is showing you, even though Ava lied, Ryan still knew and still pursued the girl who was underaged. You asked for her, you asked if she was 18 once, twice, three times because you didn't believe it. So you asked for ID. You never got it. You still talking to her. You knew. You don't get to deny anything after that. I agree. Ryan does apologize sort of on Twitter saying he's not a perfect man and has made many mistakes. And to anyone he ever hurt, he apologizes. But then goes on to say the article is upsettingly inaccurate and the details are misrepresented, some are exaggerated, and some are outright false. And that he would never have a relationship with someone he knew was underage. The backlash was swift with his label dropping him and shelving his upcoming album. The FBI would open an investigation to him sending sexually explicit messages to a minor but he was cleared and the investigation was closed in 2019. The New York Times did not make a statement that he had been cleared and some fans thought that was owed. In 2020, Ryan would write an apology in the Daily Mail saying he is sorry and realized he had to make significant changes and that he was newly sober and working on his mental health and he knows some people review it as an empty apology, but he is truly sorry and yada, yada, yada. MD apology. <laughs> um, I do think that, I mean, you got to write, I, I think the New York Times should have wrote the, that part. I mean, you have to write the news as it's, as it's changed, as it comes, whatever, update, update people. He wasn't cleared of everything. He was cleared of that particular investigation about that particular crime. It don't mean that this man is free and clear. It just means that they, uh, found nothing that they could charge him with actively and they closed the investigation. But 
I think it also could do with either there wasn't enough proof or because the girl admitted to the girl was lying. Yeah. So, like I said, I don't I don't see that as a pure victory for that man. But um, I mean, I mean, he deserved it. But these abusers, these creepy, nasty, weird men, whatever that fit under all that that category or women or women. <laughs> they um, do this thing where after everybody knows about your business, you were denied, denied, denied all before. But now it's like, okay, I can't admit to the whole pie. I can't eat. the. I can't say I ate the whole fucking pie, all the cake. I can't say it. But I can say I snuck down and I got me a few pieces. So you say, oh, I, I haven't been perfect. I've done my fair share of dirt. I'm not this and I'm not that, but some of that stuff was absolutely not who I am. It is not true. And <laughs> Okay, then say your story. What was true? What was it? Because you can't be specific because you can't disprove it all because there is merit involved, but you have to just put out a statement. Also, the label is wrong, but as we all know, they've been wrong because the thing is, is I feel like they could have gotten wind of this beforehand, but until they saw that, oh shit, people are actually paying attention to this man in a bad way. We got to get him off our roster. That's that's shitty, but that's what a label's going to do. They're all they're business focused. Yeah, business. Shelving that album, they was going to do that shit anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> that show was never coming out. Fuck that album. Mandy Moore would say on the Today Show when asked about his apology, it's challenging. Because I feel like in many ways I've said all I want to say about him and that situation. But I find it curious that someone would make a public apology but not do it privately. I'm speaking mm. for myself, but I have not heard from him and I'm not looking for an apology necessarily. But I do find it curious that someone would do an interview about it with, without actually making amends privately. I agree. Which, it's yeah. an empty apology, like you said, like he he accused other people of, of saying it would be. Yeah, I think that happens so much with these celebrities that they apologize, and it's pretty much to save face with the public. Mm -hmm. But they're not apologizing to the people that deserve the apology. Yeah, so it's not even you you it, you it. We would question we question your sincerity because if it's truly about making amends and moving on and being a sober new man, who's focused on all this and that, why wouldn't you um, apologize to the, the people that you hurt first and then the public, you're trying to win the public over. You're trying to get signed again. You're trying to release that shitty ass album. You're trying to tell everybody you're doing better, but you ain't truly doing better because you ain't acknowledged your wrongdoing to the people you wrong did. Exactly. So he is pleading with people to let him back into the fold of stardom. He wrote, He writes on Instagram, I know I'm damaged goods. I know I am. And they aren't the ideal thing. But I had a label interested for months and they wasted my time. I'm months from losing my label, studio, and my home. I really just want a second chance to make some music, maybe help other people believe you can get up out of the gutter and be something. I'm 46 and I'm scared I'm going to be living in my sister's basement. If you are a label and interested, please let me know. Set with love and humility. I already got dropped 
by capital twice, maybe someone still cares. Another post, he says, please, if someone takes a chance on me and this music, I'll bust my ass to support it. Sorry to sound desperate. And he would also have a few of these posts also reaching out to book companies about his poetry books. Um, and I was not to say, no, what's the end? Ryan is still trying to claw his way back in May of 2022. He sold out Carnegie Hall. He has hired a crisis manager. He is pleading with people to let him back into the fold of stardom. Yeah, I don't care. Fuck that man. <laughs> Here's the thing. Go ahead and humble yourself and get that nine to five. Or maybe not since you, you sold out Carnegie Hall. But also, I mean, there's a, I mean, you ain't doing too bad if you got money to hire a crisis manager. I think being a, like I've said before, with these other terrible people we've covered, being in the spotlight, being famous, being able to be a famous musician, these things are like privileges. You are not entitled to these things. So, you know, you in the gutter, you put yourself in the gutter with your bad decision making and your bad business practices and you trifle in personal ways, you know, and the fact that you failed to reach out to get help for your other issues that were uh, going on in your life. And then you hurt these people trying to bring yourself up and you've rightfully gotten punished by at least not being able to uh, have the support of a label. And you're just crying to people to feel sorry for you after what you've done. If you're truly about the music and putting yourself out there and expressing yourself, try to do it by yourself. Humble yourself and get a nine to five, get you another side hustle, do something and put that into your music of being independent and garnering, garnering interest that way than begging, pleading on your Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, like we should fucking care after what you've done, you had a position of power. You were in there, you were signed and you were influential enough to have people wanting to work with you and you shat on everybody. And now that you've paid by not having the income you used to and the lifestyle you used to, you wanna sit there and cry about sleeping in your, your sister's basement. It, I mean, shit, at least you would have a roof over your head. Yeah. Like you said, it is a privilege. Nothing is owed to him. I do think some of those albums he released after was after he was dropped from his label, but I think they did not make any buzz, so that's why he wants to get back on a label. Ain't nobody give a fuck about that. <laughs> I, I think me and you both see it the same way, that he's a horrible person, he did horrible things, but I do know there's going to be people out there that see it the other way of, these women are just women scorned and it's a hit piece. I can see that. But if the evidence is speaking for itself, I mean, the New York Times verified these claims, verified these women's stories. They all match up. They're coming from an ex-wife who spoke about her, pre her experience a little bit previously with the outlet that matches up with the other stories. It's just, and she wasn't even going in detail. She was just being vague about the fact that she was literally closed off from things. And then once she left, she 
was open back to those same things. And these women are going into deep detail about the fact that they were very much restricted and controlled. I just, I just, I can understand like people coming after you for like some clout or some money, but I don't think Ryan Adams is that guy. I don't either, but that is our episode. Do you have anything else to add about Ryan Adams before we move on to our media? Fuck Ryan Adams. I'm my homies hate Ryan Adams. You should. <laughs> and uh, fuck, I said I was going to try to listen to his emo country shit. Fuck that. Never again. I'll listen to some Mandy Moore. I'm going a, I'm to a, I'm a boost her streaming up. That's why yeah, Phoebe Bridges. I'm about to, uh, wait, Bridgers. I'm, I'm about to look her up. We're about to listen to both of them, yeah. Shit. Um, we do like to end every episode on a positive note with some form of media we want to recommend discuss sometimes shit on should you go first should i i don't know i'm kind of excited for yours you texted me and said you had one couldn't wait gonna be quick so we did some episodes on your girl Mm, i knew this was coming (laughs) and i'm prepared so you better be prepared i told you come right so you better be prepared and you need to give details. <laughs> I, can't. I can't. As soon as you sent that, I I said, you son of a bitch. You are so ready to shit on Taylor. Oh, God. And I knew it was coming because I went at you for Abba and Preach last or I went after someone about Abba and Preach last week. You wrote, first of all, you roasted me and I didn't even know I was getting roasted until a minute, <laughs> a minute in. I was like, oh shit, he talking about me. <laughs> oh, fucking, and I texted you. You said it better not be about Taylor. I was like, oops. Okay, I'm better. So make sure you have all the facts. Um, who said I was going to mention a fact? This is all opinion. I'm talking shit. <laughs> but we did some episodes on your girl Taylor Swift a few weeks back. And I was just like all on Taylor's side. I, yum, yum, eat them up. So I was all on Taylor's side. And I knew that that wouldn't last long. <laughs> Why? I just felt like this was abnormal. I was like, Taylor Swift is cool, but I, I don't usually vibe with her like this. And then this stuff came out. I think people just like to shit on her because she's I mean, fun. no, that's 100% true. People do not like Taylor Swift because they just don't like to like her. And that's sometimes not a good reason. I, I'm i not one of those people. I'm kind of more ambivalent towards her, I think especially a, now. A lot of people don't like her Ooh. just because they don't like her just because maybe they're not friend, fans of their her music or find her cringe and mm-hmm. then when they find something that might be a yellow or red flag they're like i knew it this is why i didn't <laughs> like her hey you can't fault people for doing that if it's a red flag it's a red flag well just because it appears a red flag does not mean it's a red flag but okay i continue. cannot wait to hear your your what you're gonna say <clears throat> I don't know what you're going to say. So. I don't even know. <laughs> I haven't said it yet. You haven't. So, um, Taylor Are we Swift- fighting now? <laughs> Are we in a fight right now? <laughs> so, um, Taylor Swift released uh, this Karma remix with mm. your girl Ice Spice. 
And that shit is trash. <laughs> it's fucking terrible. And I don't mean it's a bad song. What I mean is that I listened to Karma and then I listened to a Karma remix and I said, why? <laughs> why did this happen? Why did Ice Spice have to get on this song? And then Taylor Swift came out with the explanation of how this came to be. And I said, fuck out of here with those lies. <laughs> huh. Why do you say the lies? So, uh, okay, first of all, I don't think it's a lie, but I don't think it's the entire truth. Okay, because so I the, also have opinions of with people calling it a lie, but I'll save that to them. Okay. So uh, the Ice Spice Taylor Swift thing, ca- collaboration comes about because uh, reportedly right as Taylor is about to start or is going to start her era's tour, Ice Spice and her team hit her up about doing a collaboration. I don't think that's a lie. Um, Ice Spice is really popular right now. She just got the feature from Nicki Minaj. And I also think when hot artists know that they're hot, they are uh, not stupid. They throw anything at the wall to see if it sticks. So It's I mutually beneficial for both part- parties. Ex- I, exactly. Taylor Swift is very big. Ice Spice is getting bigger. So what do you do? You reach out to all these stars, all these popular people who are on tour or getting ready to be on tour or who are getting ready to drop an album. And you ask, hey, would you like to be a part of it? Whatever, whatever. I do not think that's a lie. I think that's true. Taylor was like, when I heard about it, I was just so excited because little did she know, I was almost exclusively listening to her. What the fuck? I, I just don't believe that, but that's just a personal opinion. Um, and then they, they end up doing the collab. I think that some of how this came to be and how it got pushed out is, of course, the whole Matt Healy drama, rumored boyfriend of Taylor Swift. What's the drama? So the drama is apparently um, Ice Spice was on a uh, was being interviewed and she was asked about like what type of music would people be surprised that you're into or whatever. And I forgot who the first person she said, but she she also mentioned the 1975 in a January interview. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Timestamp. she mentions the 1975, which uh, the lead singer is Matt Healy, who is the rumored boyfriend of Taylor Swift for these last couple months, whatever. Uh huh. And then, heard, yeah. <laughs> Shut the fuck. I, I just want us to have our dates. <laughs> I just love it. Uh, and then, so what, what? What day was the radio station uh, interview with uh, the 1970? Well, with Matt Healy and um, his people. Do you remember that? It wasn't a podcast. It wasn't an interview. It was a podcast. Oh, it was and podcast. it happened in February. Okay, it happened in February. They mentioned Ice Spice and uh, the fact that they mentioned uh, Matt. In fact, that Ice mentioned uh, liking Matt's music and whatever. And then they start to derive into this argument, not argument or discussion about who is Ice Spice, you know, based off her name being Ice Spice, if she wanted Spice Girls. Um, is she a what do they say? Chubby Inuit woman? Um, is she a Chinese lady? Is she this, she that? They go into some very, very mocking racist um, accent tones uh, depicting Asian accents and all this other stuff. And you're saying they. Who is they? They is... Um, 
Shit, hold on. Was it, it Matt Healy? Matty Healy? Matt Healy was a part of the discussion. He was not saying the derogatory. I don't think he said all those derogatory things about Taylor Swift. I'm not. I'm reading Taylor Ice Spice. Swift. Ice Spice. But um, he did go along and he was laughing about it. He did laugh, yes. But it was Adam Friedland and Nick Mullen. There you go. But he didn't jump in. He didn't say anything. So then uh, at a later date, I think weeks later, he was uh, about to perform and he says, I'm sorry, I spice. Basically, I don't want her to think I'm a dick. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, him and Taylor are seen out together. And then this remix comes to pass. I don't think this is a genuine uh, remix. Most aren't, though. I, I, I'm will, I will say it's not like um, it's not out of the blue for pe- for labels and people to come together and just put out a project that's very heavily produced. I just think that this is one of the most outright ones in a while because mm. of the backlash. And it's just weird. I, I just don't see this coming up. I just never see this collaboration coming uh coming out naturally well okay say your so, side march 18th taylor swift's tour starts mm-hmm. and this is before maddie healy's dating rumors any backlash anything like that and before the tour starts there's music playing do you know what music is playing do you want to guess it's probably i spice song i spice and people are like this is so weird why is it i spice playing at a taylor swift concert so again that was March 18th. What well, I Spice song? I don't remember. Mm. Probably that boy's a liar. Which, well, that's not an I Spice song. I, I don't know. I, I just said something. So, that is before the backlash. Mm-hmm. Also, April 27th, Sean Barron, a music executive on One More Time podcast, said he had heard that I Spice had released, had reported a single with Taylor Swift for her next single. April 27th, before any of the backlash. Also at the iHeart Music Video Awards, they are seen, she, I Spice gives Taylor Swift an award, they are seen hugging, they are seen photographed together. So I don't think it's like what people are saying that she rushed out there to put this Sawned out because there is history of it. Their fans were speculating that the Karma remix would have Ice Spice in it. And that was from March. I still think it was rushed out on purpose. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. It still doesn't make sense for it to come out at this time, is what I'm it saying. It does make still, sense. No, it her, don't. Her it deluxe comes out right album in just the came out. This, nah, I still don't. Like I said, her I deluxe think- album just came out. Who? Taylor Swift's deluxe album. Yeah. And? (laughs) So it's on the album. I'm not saying that this couldn't have been put together beforehand. I'm saying that it got released at a bad time because of all this drama. 100%, 100%, you cannot convince me. Why did it come out right now and not a month ago? No, not a month ago. A couple months ago when it was rumored? Or why they didn't wait until the actual summer? So they put it out right now as a throwaway, as a way to dis- dissipate the drama and make the room clear for them to both do their thing separately. I do not believe that this Taylor Swift and Ice Spice single that could have been better, that could have been bigger, 
was released in the middle of May. How could it be? It was reported before the scandal. What I'm saying is that they put it out because of the drama. No, and in her <laughs> man, in the man music video, there's a wall, and it has Karma at top, and then it has Fearless Red Speak Now, the albums that she has said she's going to re-release as Speak Now now. Mm-hmm. And then after that, Karma is listed at the bottom again, which signifies the remix, and then Reputation 1989. So it was already planned that this was going to be how this rolled out. And people are saying she's going to release all the albums, it's speculated, before the tour ends. Also, it's very insulting to Ice Spice to say that this is a ploy. It is saying that she did not deserve it. It's saying she did not earn it. It's saying the same thing that a lot of people of color are told, like, oh, they got this job for a diversity hire. Oh, affirmative action. I feel like that's the same type of vibes it's giving. <laughs> Don't you fucking dare. I'm daring. And, I mean, okay, that's and, true, but that's the bullshit. Did Ice Spice deserve it? I'll say it right now. Did she deserve a Taylor Swift fe- feature? She's having her moment, yeah. Yeah, she's having a moment. Doesn't mean that she deserves everything, but she got it. I ain't saying she didn't deserve it, but I'm saying what I said. By saying she only got this, they rushed it to handle backlash, is discrediting Ice Spice as an artist. And Miss Spice does not deserve that at all. Miss Spice deserves whatever the hell I'll give Miss Spice. She ain't Mrs. Dash now. (laughs) Um, That's a cousin. I'll I'll, I'll read to what I'll say. You just sure hate, you talk shit for the hell of it. I do though, but everybody that's, knows that's that. I'm, very, I'm how very clear since we started this podcast. I am a shit talker first. Opinions first, facts we f- will factor them bitches in. But anyway, like I said, sure, this collaboration could have been planned before. But it was released in the middle of May as a quote-unquote single to dissipate slash put to rest the drama between Taylor's rumored boyfriend and this black woman slash, wait, no, she's black and um, she's Dominican. I forget. This, this mixed woman and her in her afro is to dissipate the drama between them all at this moment i do not understand why it was released this way at this time her album was released i know the deluxe but they were oh my gosh if the album is released she's she's already on the deluxe album it's fine they know it's ice spice karma she put it out as a single they shot a video and they put it out right then because of they are maximizing the effort of this being seen and also shutting down the rumors. I think, I that's think that so diminishing towards Ice Spice and her career. I mean, I really don't care about Ice Spice and her career. <laughs> I just <laughs> like I give a fuck. Negative. I also see. I mean, Ice Spice is having a moment. If I down, if I'm downing her Taylor Swift feature, but I'm not saying that that um that Boys a Liar collaboration wasn't great. That Princess Diana remix wasn't great. I can understand then you're downing Ice Spice. I'm saying one collaboration 
was put out in an awkward fashion and it looks like it was done more for a PR stunt than it was for the actual music because of the time it was released. I can say that, but I have no problem with Ice Spice in her entirety and all her career moves. I think this is nice. It's a it's a good move, but I don't think it was the best move. And I think I am allowed to be wary of uh, how they did it, whether I'm right or wrong. Do you think they should have scrapped the song? I don't think they had the scrap. This is what I'll say, though. It's not a good feature. I listen. You have every right to say that, but everything else in the background noise. I don't have a right to say that. Is that what you're saying? So you're good about uplifting one black woman, but downing another black woman. Mm. It's not about downing it, but I'm not allowed the, to say what I want to say. <laughs> critiquing, I can't the say art what I want to say because you're not saying anything. I'm saying plenty. <laughs> you're saying plenty, but nothing at all. <laughs> also, for the people I see online that say that Taylor Swift, this is her first woman of color feature. Taylor does not usually work with a lot of women. In her over 400 songs, she has seven songs that had a female feature. And I know two of those were just background vocals. And she was the one talking about women supporting other women. Mm, can go yeah, you hell. can attack her for that. Ain't that <laughs> like, some shit, Taylor? That's what I'm saying. Taylor's not all about the right. She's been wrong. And I think that this was a misstep. The bitch missed the wrong move. She misstepped by not pushing back the song or scrapping the song. Yes. Okay. Bad taste. You tell first of all, you're telling me you ain't got taste because you heard that feature and you said, "Ooh, yes, put it on the album." That shit was trash. And then you yeah, release it at a bad time. Why you can't put the music out in another month? If if it's a summer jam, if it's about if it's about karma, fuck these motherfuckers. You know what, what month should she put it out on? I think. It should have been at least June. June. So a month before her Fearless album. Hey, I don't know nothing about the goddamn rollout. I'm speaking from Katrina with no knowledge at all. I can't factor in the other stuff she had planned. I can only factor in my opinion, Jose. I'm not in the Taylor (laughs) Swift camp, Jose. I don't know the rollout, Jose. I can only say what I feel she should have done, Jose. I don't know the truth, Jose. I don't know. (laughs) It's just a lot of feelings without facts, but you do Uh, you, girl. Love it for you. Mr. Feelings over here. (laughs) I, I, I love it. For Mr. You. I, feelings. I, I just want to see that we're uh, <laughs> connecting. We're, we're understanding each other. <laughs> I get where you're coming from. And the dude is weird. I Matt, can give Healy, you that. Matt Healy likes to surround himself around people who like to make weird jokes about people of color. And I don't think Taylor Swift wants to be associated with like with that. But she 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 likes the penis. I, so she's going to semi shield her penis. I don't think so. I, I literally just threw that last line in. I don't think that's the truth. But I just think that this was a good uh, way to be like, why would we all be together if we hated each other, if we didn't like it, if we didn't like each other? Okay. So I do have an email from Trisha. She says, hello, Jose and Katrina. Just right to share my media Sadly, the great Tina Turner passed away earlier this week. In honor of her, my media this week is the song Proud Mary. To me, this song is iconic. I love everything from the introduction to the rough 
ending. I also love her biopic, What's Love Got to Do With It? Although the star of the movie is Angela Bassett, Tina does perform a song close to the movie. Tina Turner's story is truly an inspirational one, and she will be missed. Thank you guys for bringing me joy. Love you. Bye. Love you, Trisha. I well, was going to bring What's Love Got to Do With It as my media, so I will be changing that. But <laughs> That's funny. It is a great movie. I mean, you should quote it all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tina Turner is a, was a great artist. Mm-hmm. What's your favorite Tina Turner song? So, uh, because of me discovering it in college, as well as the video and the uh, inside joke, it's going to be Private Dancer. Oh. Mine's simply the best. That's a good one. You know, for the longest, I did not know that was Tina Turner. Like, once I watched, like, um, Love What's... What's love got to do with it? And I got to hear more of her music. I just did not know that she sung that song. I just thought it was some other person. I always forgot about it, that it was hers. I wouldn't say I didn't know it was hers, but it was like, you know, you, you know to her hits if you're listening to Tina. And mm-hmm. then the further back ones you start going to. But it was on Shit's Creek. They, like, did a cover of that. And I loved it. And I'm like, I gotta listen to the song more. I'm like, oh, that's Tina. Like, I knew it. Like, that's why I know it. <laughs> Yeah, I love Tina Turner. I mean, I love the story. I watched your documentary. I've watched a couple documentaries over Tina Turner over the years, but I've definitely remember the HBO one. Uh, I loved What's Love Got to Do With It. I've I've always thought her story was so interesting. I've always paid attention to the fact that she appreciated What's Love Got to Do With It, but she didn't want that to be her whole story. And I understand it. It's very quotable. It's very famous. Um, I mean, to this day, Angela Bassett is like kind of synonymous with Tina Turner because of it. That but is true. She wanted people to see who she was without Ike, without that domestic, without the domestic violence, just her artistry and all that other stuff. I just very, I very much appreciated who she was as a woman and an artist. She, Something she was just great. that I do not like that's being reposted. And it's just my opinion. Um, is a lot of the posts on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram or something. It's saying like, it starts off with for 16 years, she was abused by her husband. And I don't like that one bit. Like why include that in her story? Like I get, you're trying to say that she overcame it and whatever, but it's just, I don't think it's needed. I think it's so much, so deeper. So, so it's like, it's tied into that whole, um, Black women have so much strength and have endured so much narrative. Mm. Like, in order to see how strong and resilient and great a person is, we have to uh, mention all the abuse they they endured and all that other stuff so you can see how great of a woman they are. I don't think that's right. I think you could talk about who she was as a, a woman artist, her philanthropy, her hobbies, and you don't have to mention the abuse at all because it is so well known. Yeah, I it's just something that rubs me the wrong way when I see it. But I mean, people are sharing it out of love, so I'm not going to complain too loudly. Yeah, I get it. And also, it's like something that maybe hopefully as we get older, things they start to steer away from stuff like that. Only the shitty people should all be reminded about all their bad history and their legacies. Yeah, when the bad people die, you could be like, <laughs> when you pull up those horrible tweets of 
oh, just because they're dead, we're not gonna <laughs> alter them or whatever. Yeah, speaking of, Lord, okay, another person who departed, Jim Brown. You know, literally, I was about to fix my lips to say R.I.P. Jim Brown, and then I looked and I said, oh, Jim Brown, this nigga was doing some crazy shit. Really? But now I'm just like, I can't R.I.P. nobody no more. Unless I, unless I love you, but it's like, it's like that Bill Cosby thing for me. I, I don't know if, if if you've listened to it. I, I think I talked about it in the Bill Cosby episode, our first ever episode, which was I was so familiar with Bill Cosby at, in the Cosby Show, and but he always had that weird face to me. Something was off to him, but I never thought anything was wrong until we went to college, and then that Hannibal Burris set went viral and then everybody found out about him being a rapist and then when i looked into it i was like oh my fucking god this man was a whole different person and it's kind of like that jim brown thing i only knew jim brown for for being a nfl icon and then the appearances he made on several black sitcoms so that's who i knew jim brown as and then you look him up and it's like Oh no, this person was a whole different other person. Oh wow, I don't really even know him. Should we cover him one day? He is coverable, but I think we should wait a while. But yeah, he's definitely somebody who can be added to the list. So uh, let's so, go, let's let's stop uh with all our <laughs> depressing stuff. You gonna uh speak on a, a good media since you're not gonna do what's love got to do with it? What's love is a good media. But, it, I mean, it is, <laughs> but it, it's like still down from what we were talking about, all this abuse. <laughs> uh, my media is the movie Beatrice at Dinner. And it is starring Selma Hayek, who I love. It has Connie Britton, John Lithgow, mm-hmm. and Chloe, I can never say her last name, it's like Savinji. I know, yes, I don't know how to say her last name either. Which I don't know where I see her and stuff. And anytime I see her, I just love her. But I don't know anything like about her. Um, but the movie is about Sama Hyde plays a masseuse. And she goes to her rich client's house to give her a massage. And then her car breaks down. And she's like, oh, don't worry about it. You can have it towed. And like the tow truck won't get there to the morning time. So she has to stay there for dinner. And they're like, just come down. Like, it'll be fun. And... Like I've said it before, one of my favorite things is when people go to a dinner and they cannot leave. That's why dinner party is my favorite office episode. Like that's crazy. So it's kind of that vibes. And Selma Hayek's character gets into it with this guy who's there, and he's like a rich guy, and he's talking about building a hotel and another country, maybe Mexico or something, and hunting animals and. They just kind of go back and forth because she's like all anti that. She's like, no, that's wrong. And she, it's just, it's funny. It's kind of cringy, which I love a lot of arguing. But it's a good movie. And okay. I, I, I like Selma Hayek as an actress, but I feel like I don't always like the movie she's in. <laughs> Does that make you sense? Says, Selma Hike don't got no good picker. <laughs> <laughs> I get I definitely get what you say saying. Uh she's so iconic for like who she is as a person, but she doesn't have a she has a few, but she doesn't have 
a lot of iconic roles because of the movie she ends up picking. Yeah, like I'll, I watch a lot of Selma Hayek movies, even though I don't really like them and I just watch them for her because she does make them better. <laughs> Hasn't but she I mean, done more better ones in the last recent years? Like kind of more smaller indie kind of film festival, you would say, roles? I think she is doing more of those roles. Mm-hmm. I I didn't see House of Gucci, but I know she was in there. I know oh. it's a different role. I don't know if that's going to be on my list. Maybe one day. It's on my list. It's been on my list forever. Well, I, I'll put it on my list then too. Oh, perfect. We can watch it together. All right. Um, that's our medias, though. Sorry that we went back and forth, but. Yeah, sorry for the. I mean, I think it made great entertainment personally. We got heated there. No, I thought it was it hilarious. It was all in good fun. It reminded me of our college days. <laughs> we haven't argued like that in a while. <sighs> Lucky you weren't here. We would have been throwing hands. <laughs> we met maybe some pushes, but yeah, I think this was a full. I mean, like well-rounded episode. Um, Interesting subject, uh, interesting talk on the medias. I think this is one of my faves. Ooh, put that in your notebook. <laughs> but <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. I do want to say I was not defending Maddie Healy. I just wanted to that right. <laughs> I don't know enough about her to defend him or attack him yet. But thank you guys for listening. Please leave us a review if you can. Leave us five stars. If you don't want to leave us five stars, leave us less stars and tell us how we can improve. Yes, and uh, also shout out Christina for telling me the stuff about Matt Healy, even though Jose was defending him. I was not defending him. <laughs> I just think it's kind of weird that every, like, Taylor has to be in control of her man. Like, why is it always the woman's job to take care of that? I 100% agree. It's shitty, but I can only say what I've been given. And then Maddie Healy didn't even say it, so now she has to be in charge of the podcasters. <laughs> Is there any <laughs> other man we can put in there that Taylor needs to be in charge of? You're making some good points. I'm not even going to lie. Maybe you could have swayed me if you mentioned these earlier. <laughs> no, you're unswayable. <laughs> um, please reach out on our Instagram. It is Savior Sorry. We give updates on episodes there when we post them. Mm-hmm. Little pictures, too. You know, sometimes you need a little visual. You need to see how our people look that we talked about. I'm telling you, look up Ryan Adams. He does not look who, look like what you thought he did. And you look that up on our Instagram. Exactly. The post coming soon, beach. <laughs> our Twitter is Savior Sorry. The your is spelled you are. And our email is Savior Sorry spelled just like the podcast. Send us your media so me and Katrina can argue over it and have think pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, Send us a subject to do, because even though we have a list, we're always losing it, and we always need new people. Yeah, and there's there's a couple people who I'm thinking about doing, but if there's somebody else who is more prime, who deserves it more, I'll say, you know, send it. Send it. Thank you guys so much for listening. It's been wonderful. Bye. Bye, you what celebrity would you not want in your funeral? I can tell you mine. I mean, any of the creep ones. I can't no, just... like, okay, I'll be those. But, like, a good singer who's, like, known to perform at funerals. 
a good singer who can't perform. Mine would be Christina Aguilera. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just too much of that hooting and hollering, and then I feel like she always just like outdo it and make it about herself. It's like, girl, that's not all needed. Like you have a beautiful voice, but that too is much. Funny. 